good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be able to share the word of God as well. We're going to be in the book of Acts, and we're right at, you know, the halfway point, okay? Uh, 28 chapters, just finished 14, now we're at chapter 15. We're going to be looking at those first 35 verses of chapter 15, which constitute the Jerusalem Council, or the council that met at Jerusalem, okay? There was a very specific issue that was going on in the church at Jerusalem that needed, or uh, not, not only the church in Jerusalem, the movement of Christianity in the early days that needed to be addressed. And it was addressed at the place where uh, uh, where the Jews first were sent out as believers from J- Jerusalem. All right. So if you're in the book of Acts, we're beginning the reading in Acts 15, going all the way down to the 35th verse. Uh, 36th verse begins the second missionary journey. So we find ourselves right in the middle of the three missionary journeys of Paul and others. All right. Beginning the reading. Acts 15.1 says, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch. And they were teaching the brothers. And then now you see their teaching. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. And the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. And the news made all the brothers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And I want to stop there just for a half a second. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, again, it's our privilege to give our energies to the public reading of your scripture and to pray for your acknowledgement of the same. But moreover, Lord, we as believers know that this book has been written for us as your love letter to us, your guidebook, as it were, to teach us and instruct us in the way. And we pray that we might Align ourselves so much with your spirit that your spirit has opportunity to teach us and to guide us into all truth. That's what we pray for this morning, Lord, as we look to the understanding and application of this scripture to our hearts and to our hearing, to our minds this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Some men. Some men. Who are these men? In some respect, I kind of like the way they left it like that. The men that they're talking about are various religious leaders or people that wanted to, you know, do things the way we've always done it. You know, this is our religious tradition. This is what we expect, and this is what's always got to happen. They did it. 
some men. They came down. It doesn't matter where they come down from, by the way. There's people that come to us all the time, and they always have their ideas. Like uh, Brother Henry was saying, well, I would have had this, you know, whatever. I, you know, I would have had this church this way. I had somebody come in, and, and he was chastising me for my wife wearing makeup. Uh, you know, it's okay. So what about women who don't wear skirts? And, you know, what about somebody who wants, you know, I mean, just, oh, gosh. All the legalism, as it were, that sometimes we put on people. And that was one of the issues that uh, Paul and Barnabas picked up as well as other leaders. And you'll see some of them as we go through this particular study today. So don't let these some men, whoever they are, if they're well spoken of, if they're leaders, if they're leaders of the Pharisaic movement, you know, the, the leaders of the leaders of the, of the uh, Jewish uh, uh, faith. And then we see them in verse 5. Then some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. Now, who are these? These are believers now. So they're converts out of, the, uh, out of the Pharisees. Stood up and they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Where does it say that? By the way, there's uh, religion will always put trips on you. Always tell you you got to do it this way. We have to worship at this time and only this way, and only so and so can speak. Or you know, or we you know we never have this person share that. Or you know, all these different things that say uh, that other people will put on you or traditions. Or you have to do the liturgy this way. Thou shalt be a reader of the you know whatever. And so they you know they put all these things on you that Christ never intended. Christ never intended that. And so these men, and now you have the Pharisees, you know, are coming and saying, hey, wait a minute. We, you know, we're saying unless you're circumcised according to the Moses, you cannot, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. Hmm. I thought that the Lord Jesus, when he came, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that when the Lord Jesus came, that he presented himself spotless, blameless, and was for us our propitiation or our price payer or he was the one who was for one, one one time only sacrifice for our sins that he shed his blood on the cross to cancel out all the other sins of all the rest of us for all time okay no more would there have to be the shedding of animals blood for the remission of sins no more would there have to be a scapegoat who would run off with the, you know, carrying the sins of the people with him? No more. Jesus was that answer to the salvation question of all mankind. He became our salvific hope. We look to no other save Jesus. All right. So some men came down from Antioch. They were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised, whatever. We always know there's always going to be someone that tells you you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way. And this brought sharp uh, uh, dispute and, and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas vehemently disagreed. And by the way, when it comes to points of order, you know, can we disagree about this or that? You know, what color are we going to paint the nursery? You know? Or I think this room should be used for that. Or I like yellow carpet. How can we have blue? You know, whatever, whatever. Those are minor things. But when it comes to the, to the idea of who can be saved, 
It's not our decision, folks. It's the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, my blood is sufficient for you. That's what Jesus said. And that's all. That's all. Now, if you want to worship and all the guys wear pink dresses, it's October, by the way, still, right? You see grown men on the football field, you know, gridiron, wearing pink. Okay. So they're promoting, you know, breast cancer awareness, whatever, and, you know, the, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Do whatever you want, but don't say you have to wear pink to show that you support breast cancer. Don't say that you have to dress such and so away to come to church or to come to Christ or to be a believer. Me and my rebellion, um, I kind of had a chip on my shoulders coming from L.A. Unified. Went over to Glendora High School, and I had a little, uh, you know, a little, what do you call those things? The bumper sticker on my notebook. I didn't think it was wrong. What's, what's wrong with it? Sex before finals. What's wrong with that? You know? And the principal and I had a stare down. Seemed like forever. Who's going to give up first? You know? And then he started wearing me down. And by the way, I had just gotten there the night uh, to Glendora, and I didn't know where that was, in a group home. So I didn't know where I was because I was carried there in the middle of the night. Didn't know where I was or what I was going to do or what would happen to me if I did fight with this uh, principal over something stupid now, I see. But when we're young and we're full of whatever, you know, we think that that's right. So eventually I tore up that bumper sticker. And after I did that, things started opening up. Gave me tickets to the football game Friday. Said, you can go here, you know, whatever. Okay, things are looking up. But I still had a chip on my shoulder. And I didn't like Glendora Associates. By the way, I married one. I didn't like them because they weren't from L.A. They didn't know what it was to grow up on the mean streets of L.A. Yeah, they were just all softy. They were out, you know, whatever, oh, this or that. And be besides that, I didn't have the money that many of them had. Okay? So I had that chip on my shoulder. So I would come to school, tank top shorts, sandals, with a beret or whatever I had at that particular time. I was always doing something different and couldn't stand anybody. But eventually I began to wear down as I, because I didn't have any friends, now I'm beginning to have some friends. Yeah. I came with that same type of attitude to Christ. Catch me if you can. And eventually he did. Thank God. Thank God. And so when I started going to church, uh, you know, official, formal church, I was wearing the same thing, and then I noticed, well, wait a minute. So why did I change? Because I wanted to or because they made me? Was I less of a Christian in my shorts and tank top? By the way, I, I had a little bit of a body to show off, not much. It's just a lot less of this. Okay. Looks like, never mind. Never mind, yeah. Now there's just more of me, yeah. Um, and you think about it. People will put all these, you know, by the way, this blows me away. I hate to admit it, but a pastor of a first Baptist church, Glendora, I won't name the community, starts with G, um, came to my house, and I was in a group home at that time, came to my house, Greg, we love you. 
But does it really take shaving a beard? Sorry, brother. Does it really take shaving a beard before you can be accepted in church? Or changing your tank top to a collared shirt? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Those are minor things. But those were the same type of things that these religious leaders were beginning to put on other people. And unless you comply with all of our laws, all of our rules, all of our regulations, everything that Moses, and by the way, we look to Moses, and Moses did a lot for the body of Christ. Moses led the children of Israel. You saw how he brought them out of captivity and led them to the doorstep of their freedom and the new, the new land, as it were. But it doesn't mean that we had to do everything because there was someone greater than Moses who came along. Remember, even the person of Jesus, who is the Christ. And now we don't need this religion. All we need is a relationship with the same Jesus that we said saves our souls from sin. Well, the church were, uh, sent them, Paul and Barnabas, on their way. And they traveled through these various regions. And they, saw, uh, they were talking about how Gentiles had been converted. And the news about all this, you know, people became very glad. So when they came to Jerusalem, verse 4, it says, They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported everything that God had done through them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, but just you just need to be circumcised now. And you just need to do this. Right. Okay. Let all that go for a minute. Then, verse 6. The apostles and the elders met, met to consider this question. You know, is it really that important? And after much discussion, now we're going to see Peter gets up. We see Paul and Barnabas getting up. And then we'll see James getting up. Now, here's Peter. Verse 6. After, uh, verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago... God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And we saw that. And only a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy shared that message. How Peter was convicted. That in every nation, in every land, every kindred, every tongue, the man who confessed Jesus as the Christ can be saved. Verse 8 says, And God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of, a, of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? So it didn't matter how many of the laws of the Old Testament or of Judaism that they began to follow, they still fell short of the gospel of God. Nobody can keep the perfect law of God without Christ. Verse 12 says, The whole assembly became silent. And now they listened to 
Barnabas and Paul telling about the miracles and signs and wonders that God had done through the Gentiles and through them. And then when they had finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described, and now he's going back to Peter's message. Simon has described how, uh, how uh, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. And the words of the prophet are in agreement with this as it is written. And there you have the fulfillment of uh, Amos 9 there. It says, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things that have been known for ages. James further says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted to idols, from sexual immorality, from meat strangled by animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogue and on every Sabbath. What would have happened if yours truly, and I already told you I had a chip on my shoulder, right? What would have happened if yours truly did not kind of acquiesce, kind of go along with what the church, and just would continue to rebel? Would I still be in my sins and in my anger and resentment against those who tried to lay this trip upon me where I was? A vulnerable kid in a group home from a broken past and, and all these other things. I'm trying to do the right thing. And yet, what were they doing? The religious leaders, as it were, laying trips on me. All these things I had to do in order to be accepted among them. And that's what Paul and Barnabas, that's what Peter, and that's what James is saying. Uh-uh, don't do that to people. Don't do that to people. We, we couldn't even bear up under that load. We can't completely satisfy the law of Moses. We can't do that. And if we can't, why are we laying that trip on other people? Let's just remember that it was by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. And if he accepted us, then why shouldn't we accept one another? Mm. Mm. So James now, by the way, one of the elders in the church at that time. This is the half-brother of Jesus. When he speaks up, he says, listen to me. And then he also has the audacity to say as he stands up among the, the brethren that are there, it is my judgment, therefore, verse 19, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, Telling them to abstain from food, polluted to idols, and whatever. And now he's beginning to lay some things on them. Okay? And we're going to get to that list again when we get over to verse 29. So look at where he's come from, and then look where we get to when we get to verse 29. So now, the council that's there in Jerusalem, with Paul and Barnabas, with others who are here, 
with Peter, you know, one of the foundational members of the church there, and James, the brother of Jesus, other leaders as well, and they're there. It says in verse 22 that the, uh, then the apostles and the elders and the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. And with them, they sent the following letter. And then we have the letter there. And that takes us through basically through the end of the study this morning. By the way, one of the persons they chose was a person by the name of Judas or Barsabbas. Or Barsabbas, as looked up the pronunciation. Do you remember that fellow being mentioned a little bit earlier in the book of, of Acts? You remember when the disciples felt that they needed to replenish Judas Iscariot, remember, who went out and hung himself? And they wanted to choose from among themselves someone else who would take that place, who would be that 12th member of the apostles? Those two people that everybody met and they found that these guys were of good repute, they were full of the Spirit and so forth. And they chose Matthias and Barsabbas. And then when, remember, they cast lots? And it was Matthias who became that 13th or 12th apostle at that time. But just because you're not picked first, you know, you're standing out there, I hope they pick me, I hope they pick me, I hope they pick me. Just because you're not picked first doesn't mean that God doesn't, you know, have a ministry for you. doesn't mean that God doesn't have something for you. And you see that he actually had a very, very important part of leadership in the early church. And that was to help meld the Gentiles with the Jews, to help bring them together, to have them in agreement. So that he would be one who crosses over and helps with that transition, as it were. Transition from the old church to now this new church that is melding together with Gentiles and Jews. People uh, that are like us and people that are not like us that believe the same things that we do. One of the things that Jeremy spoke about before he read from the passage he shared today. Wow. That transition is not because we all look alike. That transition is not because we all live in the same gated community. That transition came because we are all of one spiritual mind. We were all of one accord. We all believe. In the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what draws us. That's what brings us together. When you look at the book of Colossians. It says all things hold together by him. Talking about Jesus. Jesus brings us together. That's our common point. Alright. Well so they write this letter. It says in the apostles and the elders your brothers, 
to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. So now they're going to be going up north to present this letter. They, by the way, I want you guys to note this. Just take a note here. They didn't just text it and say split. Okay, well, we already texted them or we emailed them. No. They drafted this letter over much concern. These leaders, you know, uh, worked and prayed and sweat over what they were going to talk about. What was really important? Let's come to some kind of an agreement. By the way, you don't come to an agreement when you're just vehemently disagreeing like Paul and Barnabas did. And, and they, they vehemently disagreed with what some of the Pharisaic or the, the Judaizers were doing, uh, the, that uh, Pharisaic leadership. Everybody will lay all their different trips on them. They had to, by very uh, convincing proofs, bring to them and everybody have the same understanding. Remember the Pharisees we spoke about in verse 5? These were converts to Christianity. These are leaders in the Church of Christ. And they still had this old idea that, okay, it's cool. They can come as long as they do it this way. And they had to come to some kind of an agreement. The Bible, as I read it, says this. In the abundance of many counselors, there is much wisdom. When you go through and you read, read the book of Proverbs, and hopefully you've already many times before, as you reread these little tiny morsels of truth and principles and, and uh, good ideas, you find out that in the abundance of many counselors, there is much wisdom. And so they met together. They had this council together. They prayed over these decisions. And then they came to a point or in a place of agreement. Yes, it may have started out with an argument. But what did it end up with? The resolve of this letter that we're now reading. It led to a point of discussion and agreement where the bodies that had been different were now coming together with a set uh, uh, agreement and a solution for the issues that were at hand. And by the way, back then it was these types of issues. Today, what would it be? You know, I already talked about the color of the carpet or whatever, you know. Well, I want to check, you know, bring me back to, you know, my hippie days. Really? Okay. Would everybody agree? No, probably not. Why? Because Cheerios hide in the shag, right? You know, the little kids, are, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So we, we disagree, but let's agree with the most important things. Okay? Now, what if we say, well, we want to meet at 1030 instead of 9? We can do that. What's the big deal? Uh, you know, we've, you know, we've, you know, we've done this or that, or we want to have an hour and a half service with, with Sunday school after that. What's the big deal? You know, are we moving in the direction of Christ, or are we moving in the direction of just disagreement? What would the Lord? What would Jesus do? And I know that's kind of a trite thing, you know. What would Jesus do? WWJD, you know, you've seen that around there. Oh, I don't know. We're all scratching our heads. Well, then get together with somebody. Take some counsel. Ask somebody. Seek wisdom. Isn't that what uh, Psalm 1 tells us? Yeah. And some of the other Psalms as well. Proverbs. All that. Okay. So now they're together. So the apostles and the elders, the, uh, the, the, the leaders there, your brothers, he calls them. 
they get together. They've drafted this common document, their letter that they wanted to share with the Gentile believers who were in the northern kingdom. And they wanted to, to, to share that with them. But they had to be in agreement first. And now that they were in agreement, they've writ written this. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from among us without our authorization and disturbed you. Remember that at the beginning? Chapter 15, verse 1. Some men. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be those people that are out there. Okay, well, you know what? I think he said this or you know, she said that. Okay. So they wanted to make this clear where this is coming from. This is coming from a collective body who is gathered. They're, they are the official represent, uh, representers or uh, representation of the church as it was founded in Jerusalem. So there you have these Jewish converts to Christianity. And now they're accepting that if there are Gentile or Greek converts to Christianity, we want to accept them also. And so... Whatever their age or whatever their, uh, you know, where, whatever their nationality or whatever previous religion they came from, these are the common things that we would like to share. So they came and they had an agreement. We have heard that some have, uh, that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. Now, by the way, as believers, what should we do? Should we be like Barnabas? Who is an encourager or should we be out there always getting into strife? By the way, if you find yourself in your office always always agreeing or in your classroom, whatever, with the things that are, yeah, the government should give me more or, you know, whatever. Yeah, man, that's not cool the way they did it. You know, if you always find yourself kind of agreeing because it's easier to disagree with people who are unhappy than it is to change the mood. And say, well, you know what? I, I think I understand what, you, you, what you're saying because I have some of those same feelings. But you know what? I'm just grateful that I'm in a country that if I do get a job, I can, you, I can buy my own food and so forth. And I believe in helping other people. And I believe we need social programs that will you know, be um, uh, places uh, of, of support and help people. I don't want people walking out on the street, whatever. But for me, as long as I'm healthy, you know, may the Lord give me strength to continue to work so that I can buy my own food. And if I have more money, then I can also help somebody else buy their food. Praise the Lord. You know, that, that takes more work, doesn't it? It's harder. Hey, man, but you're, you're speaking whatever. Stand up for what's right. Now, that was a fairly easy one. Stand up for Jesus when people are putting him down. That's tough. All right, so we've heard that some went out from among us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, by the way, that they were already familiar with and knew them. So we wanted to send some, of our, some men uh, to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, and they knew them, right? And men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are people who are willing to stand up, folks. These are people not just, you know, lightly to be considered. Oh, okay, well, they came with part of the entourage. These are just guards. No, these are people who have stood up for the faith. So they go down there too. Therefore, we are sending him, uh, uh, verse 27, Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by the word of mouth what we are writing. 
So they not only got together, they not only made an agreement, they not only concurred and were able to draft a common document that they all agreed on, they put that to a letter, and then they sent forth people that uh, had stood up for the faith, other people that they knew, Barnabas and Paul, and send them all together as, as a group that would share the truth of what the church wrestled with and how they came to this agreement and now what with what they were sharing. Therefore, we were sending all these and it seemed good to us. Or it seemed good, verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. The letter that they wrote here shows that they were appealing to the guidance and the leadership and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They weren't just relying upon themselves and their own wisdom. They were seeking the counsel of God as they came to the people to be able to share with Him. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And they did come up, come up with some requirements. And by the way, I want to say uh, that if you want to know more about how Paul and some of those, you know, actually felt, you can read Galatians and, uh, and Corinthians as well. And in those letters, Paul lays out for these people, you know, that if there's anything I'm doing that offends my brother, then I'm not going to do it. And, but if, you know, people are upset about meat sacrifice to idols and, you know, you, they think it's okay and others don't think it's okay, then you're all right in your own mind so long as there's no doubt in your own heart that what you're doing is right with God. So whether you do or whether you don't, it's not, that's not the big issue. The big issue is will you get along with the brethren? That's the big issue. Now we're going to go ahead and look at these things, okay? Same things, different order that we saw in um, verse 20. We see here in verse 29. Here's the following requirements. You are to abstain, that's number one, from food sacrificed to idols. Two, from blood. Three, from the meat of strangled animals. And four, from sexual immorality. Now, by the way, pagans had practiced some of these things. And they're prohibited for Jewish believers to practice. And so that was one of the, these were some of the things that are mentioned here that would help with the fellowship of Jews and Gentiles. It would make it easier for each of them to get along with one another if they didn't do things that's like in-your-face type of stuff. might help. And by the way, what did I say? With It would help with the fellowship of Jews and Gentiles. They could get along t- together more easily if that were the case. Nowhere in here does it talks about talk about that this is a requirement for your salvation. Okay? 
So we are not talking about salvation. We're talking about Jews and Gentile believers getting along, having fellowship with one another. And this thing, and I'm sure that brought a tremendous amount of relief to some of the elder men, grown men, who had not been circumcised and no longer had to go through that to prove that they were Christian. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. How old was that kid, babes, when we went to the hospital? Like 13 or something like that? When Cam had to go to the hospital? One of our sons, after a year after he was born, things were starting to grow back. Enough said. Had to be recircumcised, okay, without getting into any uh, more graphics. But there was a kid that was like 12, 15, 13, I don't know, a big kid. He had to have the same thing. Oh, my God. So our kid, two hours after, he's jumping on the thing with a diaper, and I'm hurting for him, you know. But this other kid was moaning and groaning for more than a day. He was in a hurt locker. So you can imagine these grown men were greatly relieved not having had to have that skin removed to be circumcised. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord. They still put on these things here. Abstain from food, sacrifice. You know what? If you guys don't do these kinds of things, and I think it'll be a lot easier if we, you know, for all of us to to get along. It says, you know, we've heard that you know people are troubling you. They want to put all these things there for. But we're we're sending this little message out so that we can all agree. And by the way, that was something that helped the church to progress with their community, with their uh, getting along, and so forth. And so they asked them, please, if you would. We would like it better this way. And then it also shows that you want to be true to the gospel and not, you know, get yourself so polluted and stained by the world that you're doing the things that the um, heathen or pagans did also. And those, many of these were pagan practices. We know for, for one, we're told in Scripture, as a part of the Ten Commandments, that we're not supposed to be... Uh, be sexually immoral, right? Okay. So you uh, you will do well to avoid these things. Now, what if they messed up and they did it? Thank God, there's salvation and there's forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, if they want to be legalistic, might ostracize you. But Jesus Christ will never kick you out of His kingdom. Because you sinned. Only confess that sin. Repent of it. And follow Christ. Well. So they ended their letter. Farewell. And it says the men were sent off. And they went down to Antioch. And when they gathered the church together. And delivered the letter. The people read it. And they were glad for the encouraging message. They were happy to see that. The church as they had known it, or the people who had started the church, these Jewish converts to Christianity and others who were being added to the body of Christ, they were glad when they came and said, hey, wait a minute, they're taking into consideration where we came from and they're not expecting us to do everything just like them, but they 
are asking us to do some basic types of, you know, uh, basic things here. And so they were happy. The people read it, and they were glad for its encouraging message. And it says in verse 32 that Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. You see, we can, we can, with Christ's help, get along. We can, with the Spirit of the Lord, do things that are pleasing to Him. We can, by the guidance of our, of our Savior and His Holy Spirit, be of one accord and do things together. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with a blessing of peace. Isn't that good? They were sent off with a blessing of peace rather than go take your message and, you know, put it somewhere. You know what I mean. So after spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with a blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. And then it says, but Paul and Barnabas remained there in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word. So part of the delegation went back and part stayed on to continue with the people, encourage them, lead them, and guide them. What you're going to see in this next part here, and I'm not going to steal Brother Jeremy's thunder for uh, next week. What you're going to see in this next part as... The second missionary journey begins. There are some decisions that need to be made. And one of the first ones is, wait a minute. We just went to all these churches and so forth. We've come back. Now we've dealt with an issue that the church was having. Now let's go back through all the churches and encourage them and continue to keep them going. And that's good. Of course, there was disagreement too and, you know, differences of opinion and so forth. And then the, the ministry doubled. You know, they sent out more missionaries instead, or more missionary delegations instead of just the one. They doubled. That's what's going to be happening with the body of Christ. But it can only happen when we find, as our guiding light, the Holy Spirit. When we find our guiding principles from the Word of God. And when we're obedient to what Christ wants us to do. So I pray that as the body of Christ learns to live with itself. Even with the brother's got a beard. You know, I don't know why we accept him. But even even with that, <laughs> bless him. Uh, we all have differences, right? Which one of us doesn't look different from the other, come from some kind of different circumstance? Some of you found out a little bit more of my, well, you know, where I came from, you know, that kind of mentality. Uh, but but for the, the grace of God, you know, I might have been somewhere else, but I find myself here and very happy to be among the brethren. Thank you for listening to the word of God and thank you for getting along and thank you for not arguing back with me. And thank you for taking this message of the grace of God, how it works in and through all of our lives and you take it and you stand up in your sphere of influence where you are, whether it's a study group or your workplace or in the market when everybody's gathered around a certain vegetable. Okay? You take that message wherever you are. Not necessarily of conciliation to just to you know, go along to get along, but reasoning with people, loving them, and bringing them into your group 
as you share the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Bless the word of God this day. You see what we've had in the, the council at Jerusalem? It wasn't just another another meeting. It was a meeting that led to decisive action. How can we get the Jewish, excuse me, the Gentile believers, you know, because they also believe, not just Jewish believers, they also believe in the Christ. How can we motivate and get them and all of us work together? And they dealt with that issue. Whatever the issue is in the church, we should do this, follow the same model. Seek wisdom, seek the abundance of many counselors, and always call upon the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. May he lead all of us as we follow after him. Amen.